You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, October 6th. And well, I already miss Victory Mondays, man. The week after a loss is always the worst, and we're barely one day after, all right? It, it's been the worst, like, 24 hours. Um, it's been a while since we've experienced a loss, but joining me to, you know, go through it together is uh, Weston. How are you doing today, Weston? I'm all right, to to be honest with you. And maybe I came to terms with it just during the game flow of the game yesterday. It just felt like, hey, this was not going to be the team's week. Um, we'll talk yeah. more about it. But I'm I'm all right, other than I did have, like, in my actual job, had a meeting today, and I texted my, my boss on the side during that meeting. I was like, don't they realize I'm in mourning after the 49ers loss? I'm not paying attention to any of this. Like, catch me on Friday when I cheer up. But. All good, all good. Yeah, um, you know, don't tell my nine to five, but I barely worked today because I was just—I <laughs> had to watch the game over, and I and I hate I hate watching um, you know losses over. I almost never watch them over again because I just hate reliving it. Uh, but I told myself like I'm gonna watch it again. I just I want to see some things like you know maybe I'll notice other things. Uh, no, still bad. But, you know, I will say this, Weston, I feel like it wasn't as bad on the second viewing. And I think that's my takeaway because the game was so close, despite how poorly the 49ers played, despite how bad the offense looked. The offense didn't do anything for like a good stretch of the game and it just felt like anytime they had something positive going they would like find a way to get behind the sticks and it just was not working out for them uh so I actually you know watching it again I was like you know what like it was a really close game and they had a chance to win it at the very end I think that's there are no moral victories in the NFL but Hey, for fans, maybe there are, and I don't, I, I don't feel as bad. It also helps that the Eagles lost as well. So, hey, that, that's how I'm feeling today. Hey, there's a couple of things that softened the blow a little bit: an Eagles loss, a Seahawks loss. So, mm-hmm. if it was going to be the week to lose, inevitably, you know, the only thing that was missing from that equation was like a Rams loss on top of that to the to the Cardinals. Obviously, we didn't get that, but. This was the this was the time to lose. Um, I, I I know I agree. There are no such thing as moral victories to like NFL players, right? But like to a fan, especially when you watch it back, you know this game was a player two away from having an entirely different outcome, right? Um, yeah. If I think about, I don't know, the, the Brown. So offensively, you're right. We didn't do anything outside of our first and final possession of the game, right? Sandwiched in between there was a lot of mediocre play, um, and I'm I'm being polite when when I say that. But there were like think of Fred Warner's pick on their first possession, right? So you go down the field, you go up seven nothing. Fred Warner picks them off on their first possession. We're in their territory. You know, you turn that into a touchdown. You're 14 nothing before you even blink an eye and you have the other team being like here we go right like it's just little thing momentum is a really funny thing in the nfl and the 49ers just didn't this week they just didn't catch any right they had moments of it 
just yeah. no no follow through, no execution, and and that's why the outcome was what it what what it was. I, I do want to take a second here to not to like derail the conversation on the game because like we we will get to that. I do want to talk about some of the injuries because I do feel yeah. like they did impact the game, and a lot of us, you know, were kind of anxiously waiting the updates. Uh, of some of those and Kyle Shanahan talked to the media today Uh, as far as Christian McCaffrey goes he was getting MRIs as Kyle Shanahan was speaking I guess so it's going to be a bit longer before we know the severity of his injury it's either a rib or oblique injury for McCaffrey Um, and I've heard reports from like Schefter you know guys in the know two to four weeks but they won't know for sure until, you know, they see that MRI and we know McCaffrey's uh, a tough guy and he'll try to tough it out as much as he can. So we shall see Debo Samuel with a shoulder injury. He was out of the game pretty early. He is day to day Trent Williams who got his ankle rolled up on. Uh, he was on a, in a walking boot after the game. He is day to day. It seems like, those two players being day to day is actually like best case scenario. Um, Cause I was kind of with how quickly they declared, you know, Samuel out. I was, I was a little worried about that one. And then Trent coming back into the game after suffering, you know, the ankle injury, I was like, Oh man, he's going to make it worse. Like, <laughs> and then hearing that he was in the walking boot definitely uh, didn't help, but, they're both day-to-day. Uh, I feel like that's pretty positive news. Uh, safety, George Odom, also day-to-day. And the good news is that Dre Greenlaw, who missed the game on Sunday, is expected to be back this week. So there's some positivity there um, yep. in terms of the injuries. As far as injuries go, when you hear the term day-to-day, you feel a little bit better about it. And good news, like we have an extra day. Right. Meaning like exactly. we play on Monday night versus Sunday, you know, from a Sunday night to a Sunday afternoon game in an early time slot. Like they saw this week playing a team that was coming off a bye, mind you. Right. Like and geared up for this game. That's a good thing. But I, I don't as a fan, I am very happy to hear that these these injuries by all even McCaffrey's right even if it is two to four weeks. OK, it's not seizing ending. It's not crippling and probably comes at the right time where you got. You know, a flailing Minnesota Viking team on Monday night. We all know how Kirk Cousins does on Monday night. So that makes you feel a little bit better about life. Yes, you do have a surging Cincinnati Bengals team, but then you have the bye. So you have some of these like buffers built in that like, okay, if it is the extreme of these scenarios and it looks like it's four weeks, well, gosh darn it, this is the time of the year that you wanted to have. Couldn't have timed out better um, the way that our, our schedule falls, but when I think of injury, like the, the the NFL is a war on attrition, and and we can't, in being fair, we can't sit here and and I will not make that Debo was out, that Trent was banged up, and Christian was out as an excuse as to why this game was lost because it was still able to be there and be won. But I won't make the excuse because look at the team that we played, right? Minus yeah. their all pro running back who's gone for the season. Minus their quarterback, which I honestly think this probably played out in their favor, if I'm being realistic. But they were still minus their starting quarterback, minus a starting tackle, right? And the list goes on and on. Like every team we've played so far this year, Giants, no Saquon, right? Next week, you got Minnesota, no JJ. Like you just can't make – we. 
it is a built-in excuse, but let's not make the excuse just because the the game was still there to be won. The, regardless, yeah. and we're gonna talk about how abysmal things were. It was still there to be won. And and yeah, like so going back to that discussion and how like I watching it back, I didn't feel as badly because honestly, I felt like in the first half, especially there were some bad drives in there, but there were some opportunities and you have to feel good about that because it's not like the other team beat you outright altogether. There were a lot of things that I think went wrong in this game. And I do have to give credit to the Browns defensive line. They played incredibly. There were so many all 22 clips getting shared on the timeline today of Browns players just dominating the backfield and, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Mason, like they really couldn't get much done against those guys, but there were opportunities despite that. There were a lot of opportunities. And I felt like, you know, Brock Purdy had some that he missed that he usually, or in these past few weeks he had been making. Uh, So I think about that pass to Christian McCaffrey along the right sideline, that would have been nice to have. We could be talking about a completely different ball game if he gets that. Then, uh, you know, one of the ones to Brandon Ayuk was kind of behind him. We're talking about a completely different game if he had that. There, there were a number of plays in this one that we could be talking about a completely different game. I know the low-hanging fruit is, is Jake Moody missing his kicks. I know the low-hanging fruit is, you know, the refs and some of those missed calls. Those things are true. Those things do hurt you. But there were plenty of opportunities before it got to that point where the 49ers really could have put this game away. I mean, you, Weston, mentioned, uh, you know, after the Fred Warner interception, they didn't they didn't get a score on that one. And they were in like prime scoring position. And instead, they went backwards. And that really, I guess, kind of was the story of the game for the 49ers that especially in the second half. uh they faced eight third downs. All but two of them were third downs of 10 or more yards. That hurts. And and when you're playing a defense as good as the Browns, you're not going to convert <laughs> like uh, third and longs. Like So they were, for a lot of different reasons, getting behind the sticks, and they hurt themselves in the end. Yeah, self-inflicted, right? Like a lot of that was was self-inflicted. Let's state the obvious about this game. Brock Purdy's worst performance to date as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And honestly, Steph, good. Not good because I am said I was a Trey guy over Brock guy. Good because there is no such thing as going undefeated in this league, right? Like, that's a reason it hasn't been done since the 1972 Dolphins. Go look at the resume of every Hall of Fame quarterback, fringe Hall of Fame quarterback, really good quarterback that doesn't even get mentioned in a Hall of Fame discussion. They all lose football games. Like, this happens. And this is what I've been talking about on my shows, offline, everything. I am in on Brock Purdy. I am. But I needed to see one more thing. I needed to see a loss. Because I needed to see, and I still need to see, what he looks like after the loss. We all praise him for being... I'm I'm talking about Joe Montana when I said, but Joe cool, right? Just like cool, calm, collected, ice in his veins, whatever terminology you want to use. Oh, all that stuff's really easy when you're winning football games by 20 plus points, right? Like that's not the reality of the NFL. 
the reality is like you're going to be hit with adversity. And this was the first true adversity outside of injuring himself, right? That he has faced in in this league. You yeah. need it. We needed to be brought back to reality. We, you, you needed to, you need to be humbled, right? Like the bully needs to be punched in the mouth every once in a while. I say this all the time in my in my professional career. I learn more from a loss than I ever do from a win. It's just that simple. So what are we going to learn? That's how what Weston we got go- hired. Do you know that in an interview? And if and if y'all are interviewing tomorrow, use it. I'm telling you, because <laughs> it because it's actually true. When you win, you're like, ah, oh, this was moving. This yeah. was moving. This was moving. Okay. What when what happens when all things aren't moving? People get hurt, right? Like your go-to play is 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 no longer that like how are you going to adjust let's see what let's see what this this man number 13 looks like let's see what this team looks like in another week now this doesn't excuse that it was a horrid performance no matter how you cut it right like nothing went right in this game i feel like after the first quarter but let's see how we rebound yeah i mean not just for brock purdy but yeah for the entire team it's good to have some adversity and it's funny in a way because you know, I remember Fred Warner talking after the win last week and thinking, hey, like as good as it was, we still had some things that we looked at and like we we're not perfect yet. We haven't hit our stride. Uh, still some things we need to improve. Boy, I got to imagine there's going to be a lot more to look at uh, after, you know, Sunday's tape that they're going to see and they're going to be like, we need to improve this. And yeah, I mean, it gives you that opportunity to really, you know, dig deep into what went wrong and how can we fix it? Right. How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel good about the team bouncing back. I feel good about Brock Purdy bouncing back. One question I want to ask you, Weston, is that, you know, a lot of people, the people who discredit Brock Purdy or simply want to see more, they see him do good. And I was like, okay, well, what about this? One of the things was we've never seen him play from behind. In this game, I know the 49ers lost, but in this game, Brock Purdy had a final drive to put the team in position uh, for a field goal. Obviously, that field goal wasn't made, and so everyone who didn't watch the game, everyone who isn't as in tune to the 49ers as we are, are going to look at the result of the game and think Brock Purdy can't step up in moments when he's down. But I, I want to know Weston, your thoughts on that final drive and you know, how, how you felt about it. Oh, I have mixed emotions on it. Let me tell you what I love. Let me, let me tell you what I didn't love, love the resiliency of Brock Purdy and the other 10 guys that lined up, right. To, to go down the field. Ayuk made a big play, right. Big chunk yardage gain, JJ, Jawan Jennings out there making a cat like he always does in clutch spots, yeah. right? Like, who's better than Jawan? But what I love, did you watch Ted Lasso at all, Steph? Have no, you gotten into it? Okay. No. So there is a, a an expression there, have the memory of a goldfish, right? Short-term memory, because their memory span is like less than 10 seconds, right? Like what they're that's why they swim in circles and bowls. Whatever. Neither here nor there. That's what I needed to see from Brock. Like he just had his worst game. Yeah, but yet chips are down. Listen, Brock doesn't kick the field goals. 
right? He can only move the team down the field and lead the team and command that huddle in a stressful, tense situation when nothing has gone right for you in that day and you put your team into, into field goal position to win the game. I love it. Love everything about it. That's like step one in show me what you look like after a loss because he basically had the opportunity or took the opportunity to turn what was a really bad day for this football team and turn it into a win. What I didn't love is some of the coaching decisions at the end, conserving the timeout. I understand (laughs) you want to conserve the timeout. Like things happen, right? Like a, and you go for it on third, you go to kick it on third down because what if there's a botch snap, right? Like then you get another down, you get another opportunity to do that. I, I appreciate all that, but when you're moving the ball and you haven't been moving the ball all game outside of the first drive, why would you not take the opportunity to put with the timeout in your pocket, right? right? To potentially find, 10, 12 more yards to shorten that kick for that rookie kicker who's already missed a field goal today. So, you know, the nerves are a little bit on edge. Like, why wouldn't you take that opportunity? That I don't understand. Yeah, I was just on a show with uh, Ashley Ariana and and we talked about that, too. Uh, I, I do feel like they could have and should have gone for one extra run there. I understand the risk involved with doing that because there's a possibility, you know, maybe the running back fumbles the ball. There's a possibility you lose some yardage. Hey, like regardless, you might lose the game anyway. I I felt like a lot of times that Kyle was coaching this game to not lose. Um, That's old Kyle too. I'm creeping back in here. (laughs) Yeah. Get him out of here. No. (laughs) Um, Which like, despite how bad they were playing, they, they were up like, you know, for, for some points in the game. So like, I, I get it. But at that point, at the end of the game, you got to try to like win, win, you know what I mean? So I I think it would have benefited Jake Moody. In fact, I, I know it would have benefited Jake Moody to get three yards there. Um, there was like this, this uh account on twitter it's like weather weather analytics uh we're we're at that stage um in football analytics now where they're (laughs) they're they have analytics for determining how many yards were impacted by the weather or something like that anyway if they had gotten like three yards on an additional run for example that kick probably goes in Probably hits the upright and goes over the crossbar, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I'm just saying, like to your point, like yep. if 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 they just got one more run, even if they like switched the, like the hash they were running on or kicking from, I mean, all those things could have could have helped. But like, I don't want to linger on one thing only because I think you know the whole team played horribly, yeah. and it was for much of most of the game, right? So. First and foremost, and I'm not saying this that like the politician in me is not saying this, like that's off to the Cleveland Browns. Like they came to play. They came in with their third string quarterback, but for all intents and purposes, who's mighty serviceable, by the way. PJ Walker did not look all that bad and and played well when he was down in Carolina, had moments. It's not sustainable, right? Like I have a whole theory on backup quarterbacks. It's like cool for like two to three games and then it's all figured out and comes out in the wash but 
So what my eyes tell me is that is arguably the best defense in football and arguably the toughest challenge that we just saw. I mean, they completely took us out of the game, completely took us out of the game. And that's, I don't want to undersell our own defense's performance. I thought they played a really good game too, collectively, but you knew this was going to be the case for whatever reason. Schwartz has Kyle's number. We can talk about that, but styles make fights. You knew this game was going to be difficult regardless because their defense, it's kind of like our defense wants to punch you in the mouth. They're not, they'll bully you. They want to control the line of scrimmage. And, and yesterday was their day. That's just literally what it boils down to. They were, you know what I blame this on Steph? I blame this on the little ruckus before the game. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Just go in and play the football game. Just go in and play the football game. Like, you you wanted to be the bully. It, look, it looked like the Browns antagonized. No, that's Devo and Ayuk. That's what they do. Stop but it. That Devo is came in just, like a like a little baby ram. Like yeah, just like, just like and, one in the headbutt guys. And I love it. Like I love the feistiness. Like I love, and I don't want us to lose that like swag about us. But like, you just stop with the bulletin board material. Like before a game to the underdog, it's just another thing. Just go in. You are the better football team act like it and win. And now all you did was feel the, Oh, you're the bully. You're the bully who just got bullied. Right? Like it's just, I, I hate football antics as much as I love them. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I, I hate them too. You know, what was not funny, but like both Trent and Debo who were at the center of that were two guys who like went out with injuries. Not funny that that happened. I'm just saying it was kind of like ironic to to see that happen because I do actually think Debo was gonna he was gonna play that game and he was looking for blood he hit he had a couple plays early in that game that I think he would have had a big role in that game first play and of the game. I'm not making excuses for like Debo not being there and that being one of the reasons they lost but I'm just saying I think it would have been a slightly slightly different game had Debo stayed in I can't disagree he brings a different level of physicality and emotion to the game, which I love him for. But unfortunately, he was not there to see it through. Yeah. And that, not to his fault. He just wasn't yeah, there to, to see cool. it through. But I think let's not take away from the Cleveland Browns. And Steph, this is important because this is going to be the way it is the rest of the season. Every team that we face is going to have to hear about how this is a top-ranked team in the NFL with the best offense and one of the best defenses. Yada, yada, yada. They're going to be up for the game. Fred Warner said it's about us. It's not about them. Well, yesterday looked a lot about them, not a lot about us, right? Like, need to, going to have to be on, you want to be a Super Bowl contender and you want to be talked about that way. There's not a lot of margin for error because you're going to get everybody's best game is what it comes down to. Yeah, you are. And I mean, I think a lot of teams want to come in with that energy and, you know, say, you know, we can also bully the bully like the Browns did, but very few teams could actually yeah. get away with it and like actually beat the 40. They have the bodies to be that physical, right? Like Dallas yeah, Cowboys exactly. will tell you that they're going to out physical us and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and see how that went for them, right? And there's going to be a lo- going to be a lot of teams that are, are going to try to psych themselves up for it, but we just got to, uh oh, we got like videos. The Browns pulled all kinds of antics before this game even started they 
they came out with, and I'm gonna not gonna play with the audio because uh, yeah, I don't want to hear it. But what we're watching little, is the Browns coming box. out of the tunnel with the boombox. They're copying the 49ers, stole their whole flow, and you know they. What's funny to me is that they posted this after the fact. Like they had to just make sure. <laughs> yeah, you would sure never know if they had lost the their game first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, to your point, this is the 49ers piss off teams and yeah. sometimes you know you, you're gonna have to take some of that same i guess trash talk totally oh. it it goes both ways both teams get play get paid to play right so if you're gonna dish it you got to be able to receive it when it's there and how you're gonna respond to it yeah. all it comes down to yeah, so um, your wife Jennifer here in the comments asked, can we talk about CMC being targeted? Uh, I thought this was a stalker. I didn't know it was my wife. <laughs> your biggest <laughs> biggest fan. Actually, I found out before the show she's my biggest fan. Yeah, she loves yeah. you, Steph. She does. <laughs> um, but no, this is the, what, second consecutive game that we've seen CMC get, you know, a call for the, the face mask and – they don't know when what specific play Christian McCaffrey suffered his injury, his respective injury of rib or oblique. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with him being targeted, but I do think there's something kind of fishy going on with like it seems like the only way defenses feel they can stop McCaffrey is by grabbing onto his face mask. I think this is real. Like I'm starting to buy into this and I don't know with like the malicious intent of like, I'm going to poke him in the eye. I'm going to rip out his face mask. I'm going to do those things. It's just too glaring and too obvious. I mean, it was twice on the opening drive, right? Like it's just things that I'm like, I think it's more of like, you want to stop the 49ers. How do we take, we have to be, Extra physical with number 23 is the way that I look at this. So I do think this is real. I'm still erring on the side of like, is it malicious intent or is it just like we need to be extra physical and this is how it's kind of like playing out. But yeah, they are gunning for number 23. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of agree. Like, I'm not sure if it's like a bounty on McCaffrey. Not the Saints, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not that Saints level. But I I do think like, hey, the only way we're gonna stop McCaffrey is if we match that same intensity. I don't know how that translates to grabbing a face mask, but like, clearly you gotta hit him hard, and you need probably more than one guy to to bring him down on a tackle. That that much is true. Yeah. It, I mean, that's true with everybody on the 49ers offense, right? Is like it just takes more than one to tackle. Um, and unfortunately, we just didn't get to see a lot of opportunity with our players running loose with the with the ball in their hands. Just what it came down to, right? Uh, again, kudos to the Browns. They took us out of our game. We played their football game. Yep, absolutely. Shout out Talking Head for the donation. He says the sky isn't falling. He or she, sorry, I didn't mean to assume. The sky isn't falling, but I am very curious to see BP and this offense without him. You can't you just can't deny he has become the engine. This is actually like a great opportunity for, you know, if Debo's going to be out for a game or two, however long, if Christian McCaffrey's going to be out, if Trent Williams is going to be out, we don't know yet if they're going to miss any games, but if they are out, this is an opportunity for Brock Purdy to really let people know, 
hey, I'm not just a product of the system. I'm not just this good because of the weapons that I have around me. And that game against the Cleveland Browns was just a blip on the radar. I could be better. It could be a statement game uh, for Brock Purdy on Monday night against the Vikings. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is look the the, the worst thing that came out of this game, aside from the injuries, and and the loss is a loss, right? The teams teams are going to lose football games in, during the regular season. It's inevitable. I watched my ninety four slash ninety five Super Bowl champ San Francisco 49ers get molly whopped forty to eight by the Philadelphia Eagles in the middle of the season. You would have thought the world was coming to an Just end. Had to be the Thank- Eagles. Thank God there was no social media back then, right? Because, like, God only knows what would have happened. Um, but the truth is, is, like, again, the worst thing coming out of that game is, like, now we got to hear about Brock's the product of the system mm-hmm. and the players and blah, blah, blah. It's, like, it's just, like, this never-ending cycle that, that just continues. So, yeah, I think there's a great opportunity ahead for the young man to say, I am not, not for him to say that I am not, just to – Go out and ball with whoever is there. That's it. Yeah. This is why I love backup quarterbacks. This is I, I teased my little theory early because they don't go in and like Deshaun Watson, if he plays in this game, I think he sits there and tries to target Amari Cooper all game long, right? Like, and that sometimes is a to detriment of the team where a backup quarterback goes in and said, This is the play that's called. These are my reads. I'm going through my progression. That guy's open. I'm throwing him the ball. I don't care what number he has on his jersey, right? Like, this is Brock's opportunity. I don't care if it's 19, 11, 15, 10, 3. Don't care. Assignment football, right? And I'm going to put the ball in windows. Go get it. I, you know, I, I'd love to see this version of the 49ers. I, you know, I personally think with this Monday night game, if Debo's on the fence, he sits. If C-Max yeah. on the uh, CMC's on the f- fence, he sits. I think we are good enough, even with our debt pieces, to go into Minnesota. I really want to go to this game, by the way, Steph. So if you can lean on my wife, I'm trying to convince her totally to fly go. with me to go out to Minnesota. Jennifer. Like, when else am I going to go to Minnesota? Let him go. <laughs> no, I want her to come with me. To be honest, <laughs> like, Jennifer, go with him. Can I drop my kids off in Colorado for two days? <laughs> See how that goes. Well, <laughs> but it's a great I, opportunity for Brock. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's going to be. It'll be big for him. I, I've seen a lot of jokes and, you know, I've seen people trying to confirm their biases um, on Brock off of one game against a top defense. So, yeah, I, I think Brock Purdy has to shut that noise up, as he has in the past. So I'm I'm expecting him to do that. But Weston... <laughs> It's time. It's, it's time. time to, I know. It, it's time to to vote on a well, not vote, but you know, give our nominees for 49k player of the week. So, guys, if you guys aren't aware, uh, every Monday we do this win or lose. It's been awesome after the wins because we've had so many players to nominate, so many good things to say. It's a little bit different in a loss, all right. And what I want to focus on is the silver linings. There's, there's always, I truly believe there's always like, at least even if there's a small positive to get from a bad game, let's talk about that. So that's what we're going to do today. And me and Weston are going to give some players who we think uh, provided a silver lining. Now it's not going to be a lot of players. All right. Don't expect too many, but you know, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. 
So, Weston, why don't you start us off here? Uh, which player this week did you feel uh, provided a silver lining for the team on Sunday? I'm going to continue forward. I, I feel like I'm the president of his fan club so far in 2023. I'm going to go with Diamador Lenore again. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping he was one of the, the few that you He was one of mine, had. yeah. Okay, yes. so that I'm not out on an island all by myself here. <laughs> Obviously, he had the pick. Very well-timed, right? And, and lo and behold, we converted off of that turnover to seven points to take a lead in, in the game again. PFF gave him an 81.9 um, from a coverage grade standpoint. That was by far and away the best uh, <laughs> on the team based on that performance. I know he had seven, seven targets against them. He gave up three catches for 78 yards, but 58 of those yards came on a, a play to Amari Cooper where Demo slipped and literally fell down, right? So yeah. if you take that out, you're looking at, Two catches on six targets for a total of 20 yards. And he spent a lot of time lined up across from Amari Cooper in this football game. Yes, a did. lot of time. I don't know the exact total. I just know what my eyes told me. And I was like, gosh, number two, number two on both sides of the, <laughs> of the yeah. team are, are at the top of my screen an awful lot, you know, the way that I'm watching the game. And he just he just doesn't shy away from the challenge. I, I just there's something about his swagger. And listen, to play cornerback in the NFL, like you need to have a lot of belief in yourself and your ability. And it just grows week after week after week. Um, and I feel validated when I see like Richard Sherman tweet things out about how Demo's been playing and putting them on notice. I'm like, okay, I've been saying this too. And God, that guy was an all pro in the league You're talking smart, about, man. yeah, you know, all a right. Stanford graduate, right? Valedictorian of his high school. Like Richard Sherman, Sherman knows a little bit about a little bit. You guys are basically the same person. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, just on different coasts, right? That's all it came down for him too. But I'm going to, I'm going to stay on the Diamador Lenore train and say he, he outside that slip, you know, he just continues to play really, really, really good football out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with this one. Um, you can look at, you know, some of the missed tackles as a whole. I think there's a lot of missed tackles from the defense in this game. I think besides that, besides like the big one where he slipped, um, he he played a great game. And you mentioned the interception. Uh, and I think we've mentioned it in past episodes as well that like, He's the CB2. Usually, you know, the the main corner is going to be the guy who's going to get – he's not going to get a lot of targets thrown his way because, you know, teams kind of respect Traverius Ward, what he's doing. So you look at the next guy and say, hmm, can I, can I expose this? Can I target this guy? Is he going to be, you know, less effective as the CB1? And I think what we've seen so far this season is that Lenore has elevated his game to a point where you can't do that. He's not going to be bullied. Um, and I think that's a great development. In fact, you saw as soon as he he left the game, he left momentarily with like cramps, um, or I assume it was cramps because he I think he came back in. Ambry Thomas was targeted <laughs> right away. Um, and so that's the difference between a guy like Lenore who has now put it on tape for several weeks that he's going to be a really good corner. And, you know, you're not just going to get away with, um, you know, targeting him and not paying for it every once in a while. 
Uh, and I'll also say this, I think it was Javon, someone mentioned Javon Kinlaw actually, you know, got some, some fingers on that, that pass that ended up getting uh, to Lenore. So credit to him too, but you still got to be in position for those. And Lenore definitely was now for, for my nomination, for me, this is the low hanging fruit of, you know, the day as far as, you know, silver linings go. This man played 26 snaps because he was making his debut with the team because he was traded to the 49ers just, oh, I don't know, it was like nine days before, uh, you know, stepping yeah. onto the field. He had 12 pass rush snaps. He recorded a sack and he had three pressures. I'm talking about Randy Gregory. And I think this is a, this is great. Like this is his first, you know, game action with the 49ers. Uh, we've been calling it like this low risk, potentially high reward move. And I think we're seeing it like right away. And I think also going up against this Cleveland Browns offensive line, which mind you did a pretty good job on the day uh, to, to see him get that right away was a great development. And I think a good sign for the defensive line in the future. Yeah, uh, he's on my list too. Um, I I am publicly have said I don't think Randy Gregory moves the needle for this team. He's a nice depth piece. It was very prudent what they gave up to get this individual to have another former first round pick along this defensive line. Just makes a a lot of sense. The addition. Not bad for his first performance, you know, like you said, less than nine days coaching from Chris Kasurik and getting in front of Steve Wilkes and understanding in limited snaps. I mean, I think he had the second most pressures on the team and he played, tw you know, 26 snaps. Yeah. I think the defense was out there for 76 total snaps, right? Like, and he still was getting in, into the backfield. So this bodes really, really well for the 49ers future. And what I think is so cool about the Randy Gregory edition is I don't I feel like I'm like the only one that's ever heard this. But to me, I was heard that he was not like the greatest locker room guy or it was like an issue, an ego thing. I mean, we all know about his issues with smoking a little bit of weed while he was at whatever, you know, he ended up in Denver. He's all good. Like, I, I don't mind that. Now he's in California where it's even more so all good. But that being said, like, just felt like a distraction, right? So I was cool with what they gave up, et cetera. I don't know. There's just something about this, like the cohesiveness along this D line, the cohesiveness in this locker room that this might be feel like the first home that Randy Gregory has had in his NFL career. And if you can get this production alone, right? Duplicated week in, week out. I don't even mean the sacks, just the pressures, the consistency. I mean, he had two tackles for a loss, right? So he's impacting yeah. the game while he's in there. God, this is going to look like a really good signing for the San Francisco 49ers and just another piece along this defensive line. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> James says, fire up the spliff and celebrate Randy's first sack. I James, I got to wait till the kids go to bed, bro. <laughs> That's just the way it is in the household, you know? But I, I hear hey. you. I love it. And, I, Steph, I, I again, if, he, if you weren't going to say this name, I was saying this name because I, too, was very pleased. Um, again, another silver lining from yesterday's and, game. And keep in mind, like, we're always like, hey, like, Chris Kosarik's going to make him even more productive, right? He has, again, like, 
he was only there for like a week, a little over a week, and he's already looking like this. So Chris Kosarik hasn't even had his impact made on Randy Gregory yet. Gregory was all, already a pretty good pass rusher before Chris Kosarik, so he's not like a reclamation project. But I do still think like it, with the with this defensive line, there's room for improvement, right? And it looks like Randy Gregory can can make that improvement in San Francisco. So really excited about that one. What I think is so cool about this, because I agree, he's not a reclamation project. He's a give him a purpose project, mm. right? And the purpose, and when you signed him to Denver and gave him all this money, it was, we need you to be the guy. There's not that need. There's not that pressure. The guy is 97, right? Line up on the other side of the line. The guy is 98, right? The guy is 91. Like, we just need you to go play football, five. Right. That's all we need you to do. Just go play football. And this is what this is what I mean when I say, like, look, he was drafted with first round expect- expectations in Dallas. Never came to fruition. Big, big money in Denver because you pay big money for named edge rushers. Obviously, never came to fruition. I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I have like Arden Key vibes right now, right? On what we're gonna get from this guy. Definitely, definitely think we could get it. There's no reason after like this one game to not feel like optimistic about it. It just looked good. It looked clean. It looked good. It looked effortless. Like, I'm excited. I'm excited about Randy. I am too. Like, and and Weston, I'm gonna be honest with you. I only had uh, two nominations for this week, cool. and we already went through them. So, what what else do you have? I got one more. Okay. Um, and this is gonna. Hmm, I told I told you I can always fill the air, Steph. If we need to, right? Um, you were right, Smitty. He did tell me this, and he was right. Um, I'm gonna go Ray Ray McLeod, mm, okay. and and here's why. Steph, you've been a fan of this team for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of previous to Ray Ray, like, have you ever been optimistic about our return game? Ever? No. Ever? Do you remember when Ambry well. Thomas was returning kicks in 2020, by the way? Because that, like, legitimately God. was happening. Um, it It's... For for me, like he he right now, especially with a little if Debo is a little nicked up, Ray Ray touches every facet of this game. He had a carry, he had two catches, he had two punt returns, he had two kick returns. Gosh, that's more touches than Brandon Ayuk. That's more touches than George Kittle in the flow of a game. And he, I know he hasn't made a house call yet, but he flips field position uh, position, especially in the punt return game. Like I know. Two for 13 or whatever doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when everybody else is fair catching and run away from the ball. And and the difference between being at the 35 and the 41 is like a first down from being in field goal range, right? Like it's a big deal how he swings things. And for that alone, six, seven touches in the game, seven touches. If you add up all of his yards, 68, 81, 85 total yards of production that he had in offense for the 49ers when all is said and done that's go up go go read the stat line that's more production than any other player had and i know it's done differently but that's real contribution to this football team and there are three phases of this game last i checked you know because one lost the game for us right if we say that with a missed field goal ray ray 
makes me really comfortable when he's back there. And I firmly believe every single game when he catches that ball clean, he has an impact on this game. It's definitely like a good feeling to have because yeah, you're right. There was before Ray Ray, it was kind of bleak where it was, it always felt like a toss up or like it was going to be a fair catch. It's not going anywhere. All right. Well, we got a scratch and claw for, you know, the drive. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's small things, but it could be the big things. So I yeah I I respect that one with Ray Ray. I actually I kind of wished that he would have gotten more touches in this game because after Debo Samuel went out, uh, you know I really feel like Ray Ray could fill that role nicely. You know he's not Debo, but he can he can fill the role nicely if he needs to. We saw him have a couple of those plays. He had you know some success on. He also had that one play where they got the delay of game and I wonder it looked like he wasn't in the right spot and Brock was trying to like direct him to the spot. I don't know what happened really on that one, but I wonder if that's why we didn't really see him after that quickly Uh, in the doghouse. Things things like that does piss Kyle off, but you know, in, in the punt return game uh, for sure, like he does add a a nice spark. So um, is that all you have for, if, if that's it, that's totally fine. Cause I, I was going to say Fred, um, but that was more for the first half body of work than it was yeah. the second half body of work. Cause let's be really clear. Like that interception that, I mean, Fred does what Fred does, but he was blown off the ball. He missed some tackle. He was out of position. This happens, but yeah. that interception, if they had turned that into seven points that early in the game, and you're talking about a different, totally different complexion of this game. Fred Warner is being talked about right now during this conversation in a little bit more detail. He he could have almost had that pick six had it not been PJ Walker's maybe best play of the game yeah. was keeping Fred from scoring. Come on, Fred, six. get that speed up, Fred. Come that on, would been, that would have been a completely yeah. uh, different start to the game uh, for the team. But yeah, I got to give credit to Fred. Definitely like a, a good honorable mention in this one. Steph, you putting anybody on notice this week? I I'm definitely gonna put you know a couple couple guys on notice this week. You might guess at least one of them. I'm gonna put up the our nominations for 49k player of the week up on the board here. So you guys can get to voting, and then uh we're gonna call out a few guys. So yeah, we have uh Dalmador Lenore. Look at yeah, this Randy list. Gregory, oh my god. <laughs> Ray, Ray McLeod. Um, and really again, like we're just looking at players who provided a silver lining in what was a bad loss, but we we're looking at the positives here. So vote in the comments for any one of these three guys and we'll let you know uh who is the 49k player of the week shortly. But tell me, guy, tell me you tell me you lost the game without telling me you lost the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean <laughs> this, this is list. quite the my list goodness. here, is kinda Speaking of bleak, um, a player I want to put on notice is uh, Spencer Burford. And I feel like it's almost every week where I'm like, dude, like, come on, man. You got to step your game up. He had two a two-game stretch against Arizona and against the Cowboys where he only allowed one pressure and one hurry. It's great. Awesome. Brock Purdy was also getting the ball out really quickly, especially against Dallas. But in this game against Cleveland, he gave up three pressures and three hurries. He also had a penalty. It wasn't the 
it was a really tough opponent. I got to give them that, right? Yep. But you are going to face tough defensive lines every once in a while. And when you get into the, the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of them week in and week out. So I, I need Spencer Burford to step, step his game up. I feel like I've seen Colton McKivitz make some improvements. And, you know, let's not forget, he's a first-year starter. Spencer Burford's, like, now in his second year as a starter. And I'm not sure if we're seeing, like, the strides and improvements that I need from him uh, you know, to, to feel comfortable with him at that right guard spot. Yes, 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 yes. To, to all of it. The biggest issue is like, we, we kind of knew, right. I don't think we were ever disillusioned that Spencer Burford was going to be this premier right guard in the, the NFL. Like let's call it what it is out outside of Trent Williams. The 49ers offensive line is flawed. Like it's, it's flawed. There, there needs to be improvement. That needs to be the investment at the trade deadline or go forward, whatever it might be. We'll see. But, like, yeah, Spencer, like, last year you got a grace period. You split time with Brunskill, um, rookie, et cetera. But, like, dude, we're competing, right? So yeah. step up or step out is the way that this is is really going to go. And, 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 unfortunately, for Spencer, step out is going to be – determined for him it's not going to be his own decision um but yeah if this team is serious about competing for the super bowl the offensive line needs to i don't want to say the offensive line needs to figure it out the 49ers need to figure out some things about the offensive line is the way that i'll say a player is a player they only have so much ability right like you can't turn spencer burford into quentin nelson it's just not going to happen they're not the same caliber of player. Yeah. So what are you going to do about it is what it really comes down to. But yeah, you're all, as far as I'm concerned, you're all on notice <laughs> based off of last, <laughs> this last week's yeah, performance. That, that is fair. I mean, I'm going to put one more guy on notice, but before I just uh, shout out uh, James he said been, been been meaning to buy you a levi's beer ever since i got home from the dallas game thanks for all the great content i'll be at the Bengals game bong hits for randy gregory um <laughs> I like this I, guy, James. yeah i know it's like I, I don't i don't know for some reason like that's gonna be my like the new thing for randy gregory like let's just take a hit every time he gets a sack right um <laughs> hopefully i won't be able to walk after one game you know <laughs> Yeah, that that would be great. But James, I will be at the Bengals game too. So hey, maybe I'll I'll use these uh, twenty dollars. It's sad that it, that a beer costs about twenty bucks at Levi's, but sounds uh, about right. You know, maybe I'll use one of those for uh, uh, that that game, and you know, maybe I'll see you at the game. So thank you for the donation. Uh, Sue votes Lenore. Sue's okay, my so we got. Steph. Okay, great. So we got we got Is two that terrible? for Lenore. 40-year-old man and my mother's joining to listen, but you bring family to the game. I'm bringing family to the game for you. Hey, hey, we love it. This is a family show. Weston, who who would you vote for this week out of these three players? I'm going to I'm going to go with who I nominate. I'm going to go with Demo. All right. Um all right. I guess I have to make a decision too. <laughs> um I'm I'm thinking it, it's tough between Lenore and and Randy Gregory. Uh, but I think I have to go with Lenore because just the impact that 
not just it's not just this game, right? For Gregory, like it could very well be this game. And I understand this is 49k player of the week, so we are grading them on this game. This game. Uh but I think just because what Lenore has done, not just in this game, I'm gonna give him like the the edge here. So I'm gonna vote for Lenore. It, it's never about one game, Steph, right? Like there's always a little bias that spills in. A little bit, sometimes. It's, sometimes it's the way it goes. Yeah, sometimes. Um, look, I'm going to give people a chance to keep voting here, and I have one more player to put on notice. Pains me to say this, but it's Jake Moody. And for obvious reasons, I mean, yeah. look, I I have a lot of feelings about the whole Jake Moody thing because he's in a tough spot. Like, he didn't choose to be drafted in the third round. He didn't choose to have all this pressure placed on him. Uh, I think, you know, regardless of where he would have went or, you know, there'd be some pressure, but you're on not just any team. You're on the San Francisco 49ers who are a Super Bowl aspiring team and uh, a fan base who has feelings about kickers. And also, like, if you're going to miss kicks, that's not going to help how people feel about you because they already a good chunk of them already didn't like the fact that the team took you in, in the third round. Right. So there's a lot, there's just a lot already against him. So I do, I do feel for him, but you were drafted in the third round. And the reason for that was because the team felt so strongly, so strongly that you were going to be worth that. And the guy who could game on the line, go out there, 41-yard field goal to win the game, that you could be that guy to make that kick. So, um, yeah, I, he's on notice. I understand he's he's been nominated for 49K Player of the Week in prior weeks because he had been perfect uh, prior to this game on Sunday in the regular season. But we have not forgotten about the preseason where you know he was missing some kicks as well. And so I think – seeing the two misses on Sunday just kind of brings that all back. And it's like, Ooh, like, are we going to be doing this all year where he's going to have some really good stretches and then some, you know, maybe a bad one. I don't know. The reason that he's on notice is because I want to see no misses on, uh, on Sun on Monday against the Vikings. Yeah. Here's the, the good and the bad of this. I think, yes, right? Like, of course, you want to see him make those kicks. And, you know, we all had forgotten the preseason until all of a sudden it was obvious to not forget the preseason. I know he's a young kid, and you're right about everything, Steph. He didn't choose to be drafted by this team in the round in which he was drafted, et cetera. But you were, right? Like, nobody feels sorry for Jamius Winston or Carson Wentz or list goes on of these people who were drafted so high with these expectations that never really lived up to it. Like, it is what it is, you know? Um, but what I think does bode well for Jake is, and this is not me being biased, this is just me telling you what I see, is it doesn't feel like he plays for a team that when he came back into the locker room, they're like, dude, you got to make that kick, right? It was more like, yeah. come on, dude, you're going to get three to four more opportunities like that this year. We need you to go make those kicks. And that is a really different confidence-based type scenario to find yourself in. So I hope. I'm a little nervous because I saw his video in the locker room and he homeboy looked, nervous, looked like he right? was crying and really upset. And I'm like, oh, God, is this guy fragile? Like, that's not – you chose to be a kicker <laughs> in the NFL, dude. Like, you could have chose any other profession if this is – but I feel like 
he's got the right culture and the right teammates around him to bolt to boost this up. Now, let me tell you this. He misses two field goals or even a single field goal on Monday night against Minnesota. You better believe they got Robbie Gold on speed dial. Yeah, faster than you, can some, imagine. you do have to start making yeah, some it. calls, I think. That's it, man. We're, we're playing for the real thing here. We're not yeah, just playing exactly. to win games. You can't let this be the reason why you don't accomplish your goals. It's that simple. He he could be the long-term plan for sure. Yeah. But you got to go figure it out. I agree. I think it would take more than just a miss in week seven to it wouldn't for me, them making it honest. for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for for making a call. But like, you know, because I, I still feel like the team like has, has a lot of trust in him. So I feel like it would take way more for them to be like, yo, we got to we got to call Robbie. Right tough here. situation, right? Like, yeah, it is. In weather, it is tough. It's tough playing right off. At least, of you know, there's Ligiri. an option out there. Yeah, there it, is. For now. Is. Who's and, and, who's missed a very similar field goal, mind you? Yes. And that's the funny thing, because everyone's like. Robbie would have made that is like, do we know that for sure? Like pretty sure he missed that like, against Las Vegas. We're, act, we're acting like we act, yeah. we're acting like Robbie Gold is is Justin Tucker and he he just not. There's a reason he's he's still a free agent, right? So yeah. all right. But Jake cool. Mooney, hopefully he has a better game on Monday night. Hopefully it was just a quick yips for him and he can brush it off. Um oh, I guess I, I was about to say, hey, we're we're done here, but 49k player of the week <laughs> lenore won by a lot here he had eight votes we had randy gregory with two mcleod with one um thank you all of you guys for voting i feel like every week we get you know a few more votes so we really appreciate it and especially in a loss like i was actually figuring no one would vote because it's like oh, it's hard no, we lost it's hard but it is hard it is hard but you know i'm glad that we can you know have some a different perspective and look at some positive stuff once in a while so really appreciate you guys um hope you all have a good uh, rest of your monday make sure you like this video make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet make sure you subscribe to weston's channel as well if you have not yet we're going to be doing these every monday except next monday because it's monday night game so me and weston will be doing this next tuesday um but for me and weston have a good rest of your monday folks peace